0: Amen. Hey, uh, that was fun having Matthew uh, guest lead with us. He, if you guys remember uh, Josh McGinley coming back in January, one of our overseers, uh, that's Josh's younger brother. They co-lead Ascent Project Church up in Fort Collins. Uh, big, big time of the year for them. They are they are uh, actively involved on CSU's campus. So would you just would you write them down, maybe on your calendar, throw a reminder on your calendar, throw a note wherever you see notes if you see your notes, <laughs> uh, and just pray for them. Would you pray for them? They're they're trying to really. They have a 72 hour window. Uh, Josh was telling me a little bit about this a little. Bit ago that they have a 72-hour window that they try and be super intentional in during like those first three days that freshmen come onto campus, because in that window, some of the, some of the patterns and some of the decisions and some of the habits that are going to shape the next four years of their life are going to be determined in that first 72 hours. So they're going to be super active on campus, reaching people. So let's just pray uh, that they would make a huge difference and impact. It's pretty cool. We have two churches that are just strategically loving on and caring for and spreading the gospel with CSU. And so just keep them in your prayers over this next couple weeks. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Anyone else ready to go? Anyone with me? Man, I'll go by myself. I don't care. I uh, I wanted just to remind you, if you missed the start of the series last week, we opened up with this message, uh, Here to Serve. And really, I was thinking about it. Just, you know how you have those like pre-canned options when someone's calling you, but you don't want to talk to them quite yet. And so you can kind of delay it on your phone. And they have, it's like, kind of, they're kind of rude, right? It's like in a meeting period, like, or or whatever. Like, I just kind of hope that's like that's like almost one of the things that we can just have in our bank that we just sort of pre-can respond to people. Like what if just a, a hallmark of our house is just like, man, you know what? We're here to serve, here to serve. Just like someone texts you just like, boom, here to serve, here to serve. I'm here to help, whatever it takes. You know what I mean? That was the point of last week's message that ultimately the King of Kings and Lord of Lords did not come to be served, but instead to serve. And so with him as our model, with him as our aim, now our response to what he's done for us is, is we're here to serve whatever we need. And I, I met up with a group. There were a couple uh, rounds of groups that went over to Mary Blair this last week. We got, we got just a bunch of weeds pulled over there. Look, I'm looking at you, Dave, that we were, man, there was a lot of weeds left when we left, but we got as many as we possibly could. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you've been to the, to the, to the South facing side of, of Mary Blair, you know, it's just like, Goathead city back there. And, uh, but we pulled a lot of weeds. We got that place cleaned up and I had uh, several teachers, administrators coming out, thanking us as a church for showing up and loving on them. We also delivered a whole bunch of uh, teacher gift bags to both Comball and Mary Blair this last week. And so as those teachers are coming into the building, they're getting welcomed and received with just this like awesome little gift bag and welcome bag from all of you, from all of you. It's not, it's not from us as the church. It's from each of us. You know what I'm saying? It's not just from this building. It's coming from these people right here. So that's awesome. Thank you guys for doing that. And I just wanted to remind you. Maybe you maybe you missed out on signing up for either FCA or HNS or Be the Gift, Log of Vista, those other things that we highlighted last week. Front porch. Um, I would. I would just. I implore you really just to go on the website, go onto the app and really look over those and just consider getting on one of the email lists so that like if an FCA need comes up, we can just hit all of the emails that have signed up for FCA. We can just say, Hey, there's a game that's coming up that we have the chance to serve for. We can just send that email out. And I'd love to just have lists of people that are signed up ready to receive a need. Doesn't mean you're going to take the need every time, but they're ready to receive the need when the need is known. Amen. So get on the even if you have to do it right now in church, come on, I'm blessing y'all right now. You can pull out your phone. Don't, don't drift over to Instagram. Don't drift over to whatever, Snapchat, whatever, like go to the app, go to the website and sign up for one of those things. Cool. Super cool. Right. All right. Today, we're going to talk about this. This uh, message is going to be called here to encounter here to encounter. Uh, and obviously it's going to be tied to, Robin just kind of mentioned the encounter nights that are coming up, but, but ultimately uh, this won't just reduce down to encounter nights because I think uh, encountering the Lord, uh, abiding in the presence of Jesus, really uh, what I want you to see today is it's, it's our ultimate need as human beings. That like at the core level of who we are, the deepest part of who we are, what we need the most, we don't need life hacks. We don't need a bunch of cool tips and tricks. We don't need a lot of practical information. What we need is an encounter with the presence of Jesus in our life. We, didn't, we need to have this abiding relationship where we, where we know him and we walk with him. And if you came in here today and, you, and you've maybe never had that moment, I would say, man, before we offer you anything else as a church, my hope would be that this could be a place where you could just encounter the Lord because it's what we were created for. It's our deepest need. And it's the, it's the ultimate reality for us as Jesus followers. And I wanna show you that through a few different windows in scripture, but to start where I wanna open up is in Hebrews, chapter 10. So if you have your Bible with you, open up to Hebrews chapter 10 with us. Um, I'll kind of set some context as we open that up. We're going to be in verse 19 together. Um, the context, the book of Hebrews uh, kind of has some unknowns about it. It's a, it's a profound book, a, an amazing book of the New Testament, uh, but it's authorship is kind of questioned, Like we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews and we don't really know who the writer was specifically writing to. I mean, we know generally speaking who the Hebrews is written to, right? The Hebrews, right? I mean, be with me that much this morning if you can, please, <laughs> right? So it's written to this, like, this, this Hebrew audience, the, the Israelites, people would, who have had a, a profound understanding and grasp on the Old Testament. And so what the author throughout the book of Hebrews is going to do is walk through all these different elements of the Old Testament, walk through the, the sacrificial system, walk through what Moses did as he led them, walk through uh, the priesthood, walk through the temple and the tabernacle. And it's, he's just going to say, that's all Jesus. It's all pointing towards Jesus because apparently the Hebrews that he's writing to, that the author's writing to are facing some sort of persecution, some sort of temptation to kind of walk away from this faith that they found in Jesus. And they're facing trials and they're facing hardships. And he's just saying, listen, no, everything that our people have known historically all points to this man, faith in this man and what he's done for us. And so it's this huge kind of picture, really like lengthy explanation of what Jesus has done, how he is greater than the fulfillment of the substance of everything that the Old Testament points us to. And so what we're looking at here in Hebrews chapter 10, really eight, nine, and 10 are all considering the sacrificial system that was set up through the law. If you kind of remember, Uh, we're we're probably gonna go through the book of Exodus come the fall. I think that'll be our next book study. But for now, if you aren't familiar with the book of Exodus, it's the moment where God re-enters into covenant relationship with Israel. And he's able to now have his presence be with his people again. And that happens through the giving of the law and the giving of the tabernacle. And so as those two things are implemented, now God gets to dwell with his people once again. And, and the, it doesn't, doesn't cost anything, Like, or I'm sorry, it, it is very costly to, to be with God in the Old Testament system. Like there's all these laws of sacrifices, laws of rules that they need to follow just to even get into the temple, get into the inner parts of the temple. There are, There's all these different sacrifices, all these sins must be atoned for. And so I think Part of the reason why, why we walk in sin so easily is because I wonder if we really fail to grasp the cost of sin. Like Israel would have had this profound understanding of what sin cost them. They had to bring all these animals and just even to go into the temple, you would have, you would have heard the sound of sacrifice. You would have smelled Sacrifice—you'd have seen blood. Like they were so in tune with what it cost them, but what it what it did was it reminded them consistently of their need for the presence of God, the presence of God, and and it would give them access, the ability to encounter God. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And really, to we're going to read this in Hebrews chapter ten, but then to understand it and let the weight of it really fall on us. We're going to look through four different moments in the presence of God throughout Scripture. So let's read this first in Hebrews chapter 10, and then we'll start bouncing around a little bit. The writer says, therefore, brothers, again, pointing towards the sacrificial system, pointing to the fact that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. I mean, we just sang in that song, Jesus, our perfect sacrifice, as in there will not need to be another sacrifice. After him, there is no sacrifice that you could add on to the sacrifice that he's provided for us. He was the ultimate, the perfect sacrifice. And because of that, creating this invitation, the author, and it's the invitation that I want to just lay in front of everyone today, that, that Jesus has made a way into God's presence. And the invitation before everyone today is, let's go, let us draw near to him. See, because he's, he's available. It doesn't matter what you carried in here with you today. There are some of you that, that man, you don't even know who Jesus is. You just kind of you, you kind of hang out here because you like to hang out here, but you haven't really made this personal commitment, this inward decision to follow him. And you haven't really experienced him. You like kind of the ideas of him, but you haven't really committed your life, laid your life down to follow him. And you haven't encountered him, but it doesn't, there's some of you that also walked in, you've been following Jesus for a long time. But, but it doesn't matter like what anxiety you brought in here, what stress you have about your bills that you brought in here, how long of a relationship you brought in with Jesus. All of us, every single person sitting in this room at, our, at the deepest level of who we are, need an encounter with the living God. And we need to understand the weight of this passage that we have access to step into it. And the invitation is let's go. Let's step in together. So like I said, four moments in the presence of God. Um, The first one is the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. Uh, We have to start in the Garden of Eden because what we see in the creation of humankind is that we were made to dwell with the Lord. We were made to dwell with him. We were made to be with him. Adam and Eve, there's so many amazing things about the garden. Can we all agree about that? like work is, is all the good things about work, but none of the toil, right? Does that just sound good to anybody? It's like all the good parts of my job that make me feel like fulfilled, make me feel like I have a purpose, but none of the stuff that just really bites, you know? Uh, th- there's no laundry. Amen, amen, somebody. I mean, come on. Hey, we have kids ministry here. Like it was just man and his wife walking around naked together. That sounds pretty good. Amen, somebody. Like there's, there's all these amazing things about the garden. They have total freedom to do whatever they want to. And they're given this beautiful commission to just like cultivate and create and take the earth and subdue it and build out the kingdom of God. The garden of Eden is this convergence or this overlap of heaven and earth where God is dwelling with his people. But of course we know that, that uh, it ended the way it would have ended if we were all sitting there. We got, you got to admit that. It's not because Adam's sin that we've all sinned. There, there is sin that entered into the human genome, but, but all of us in that same spot would have done the same thing. Adam and Eve sinned, they fall. And this, this verse in Genesis 3, 8 should stick with you. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now that first half of this verse, do you hear the familiarity that's with it? it they didn't think it was a deer. You know, it's not like they like heard the sound of something coming out there. Like, oh my gosh, is that... What, what's, what's walking our way? Is that an elephant or something? Like what's, no, they, they knew it. They knew what it sounded like to have the Lord God walking with them. They knew what it was like to be in his presence. And they heard the sound of him coming in the cool of the day and they hid themselves. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And, and from there, everything is fractured. Everything's broken. And, and one of the main consequences juxtaposed with the main benefit of the Garden of Eden is that the presence of God, which is the main benefit of the Garden of Eden, even though there's all these awesome things, I mean, we can all get on board with no laundry ever, but the main thing that was beautiful in the garden was that man and God dwelled together. And the main consequence of sin is that now we are removed from the presence of God in the garden. And it doesn't just, it it starts here. This is the beginning narrative for For humankind, But the other bookend, if we look and we go all the way back, not all the way to maps in your Bible, but if we go right next to maps into Revelation, some of you just got that and it'll come to you as, as you keep going. If we go all the way to the end, if we look at both bookends of humanity and we look at how we are created to dwell and how we're going to be living for forever, what we see here in Revelation 21, John gets this picture into heaven. He says, I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it because, for, the Lord, for the glory of God gives it light. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be real with you guys. I can't even wrap my head around what's that like, what that's going to be like. Uh, there's no sun, there's no moon, just, just the Lord's glory with no shadows anywhere. And so what this paints a picture of in our mind is that the presence of God in, in an unhindered way is everywhere. Is ever, you can't get out of it. When God... Remakes heaven when he remakes earth when he brings the new heaven new earth together in that consummation at the end of the age it will be once again restored to the garden God with man forever and there listen Revelation twenty one I was looking at this um, I just want to kind of feel like sharing it that Revelation twenty one I think we we often paint this picture of heaven that shows all the good attributes of heaven and we should. There's amazing good attributes of heaven. Uh, Revelation 21, verse three, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Like, listen, I don't know who's going through what right now, but it's hard. It's hard. You you lost the baby, right? The the diagnosis came back for your parents a certain way. Your, Your friend is going through what? The divorce papers have been submitted and you just, it's breaking you. And I just want to remind you today that he will dwell with them. They will be his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I just felt like somebody needed that reminder this morning that those things are going to pass away. But please hear me. There's no greater gift in heaven than the presence of God with his people. That is the greatest gift that we will get to, we will get to cohabitate the earth and heaven with him forever, forever. It's what we were made for. We were made for the presence of God. You see it in creation and you see it in the fulfillment of all things with the new heavens and new earth that God is seeking to make a way with his people. And even though when sin entered the world in Genesis chapter three, and that relationship was fractured, God already begins to restore a way to be with his people again. So the, the third moment that we're gonna look at is the tabernacle. The tabernacle, God, if you remember the story through Exodus, God uh, gets his dude, he gets his guy, Abraham, right? He's like, you and me, you're my guy, we're rolling, I'm gonna make you a people. And it's all like hilarious, right? For Sarah, Sarai, and you know, you know the story, right? Right? All these, all these kids, all, this, all these people, generations go by. And now all of a sudden we have the Hebrew nation, the Israelites in Egypt. And God rescues them out of Egypt. He brings them through the Red Sea. He, he takes them through the wilderness and he takes them to the foot of Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, he gives the law. And in the giving of the law, he's entering into covenant relationship with his people. He says, you're gonna be different. You're gonna be mine. The world will know that you belong to me. And as soon as he gives the law, as soon as he creates this system now for for man to have a way to make themselves more righteous, make themselves more holy, he creates then, the first thing is the tabernacle. And he says, and now that you have this sacrificial system, now that you have this way to be in my presence again, I want to be with my people. And he creates the tabernacle and the tabernacle is arranged in this sort of way where you have the outer court where all of Israel could go. Then you have this holy place that goes beyond a door, beyond a wall, and now you have this spot where only the priests and the Levites can go. But then there's one more room beyond that that is called the Holy of Holies. And the only thing in there are the Ark of the Covenant and the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God filling that room. And the only person that can go in there is the high priest. And even the high priest is a little nervous to go in there, right? Because he's got bells on his stuff, on his things. And he ties a rope to himself in case he hasn't atoned for all the sin that he has on him. Because you have to be perfect to step into the presence of God. And so he's all decked out in this little thing. You know, it's like your cat jingling around so you know where they're at, you know. All of a sudden, it's like if the jingling stops, someone's going to like start pulling Aaron out of there, right? So it's like, listen, what I want to draw your attention to is the fact that there's this veil there's this door, there's this curtain, there's this dividing line between the presence of God and the rest of the people. A door is, is, is really none other than just a line of demarcation. How many of you know, like, people can come up to your house, I mean, you, might, you might think they're a little weird if they hang out in your yard or if they're in front of your house too long, you might, you might call somebody, make some calls. But if they come through your front door, like that, it's a whole different ballgame, right? I, I remember, I mean, there was a season in my life where, where my brother used to live and work really close to our house and dude would just pop over whenever, unannounced. Like all of a sudden we'd be sitting down on a Saturday morning, 8.30, drinking our coffee and just walk right through the front door. Here comes Josh. And eventually I had to be like, bro, you can't do that. <laughs> you have to call me. You have to text me. You have to maybe knock once or twice, wait a few seconds, see if you hear a scream and then open the door. Right? Like a door is this clear divider. It's this clear line that, that keeps you out of somewhere where you're not meant to be. And this is, this is simply put what the curtain means to the people of God. That they know that like, man, my sin has created this curtain. It's created this division. And unless we go through all the different situations, all the different sacrifices, only then can the high priest, the one who's called, can even step in there to minister to the Lord. And so now that's window number three. But praise God, how many of y'all know there's a window number four, right? Uh, Exodus 26, 33, here's the verse that shows you if, you if you want a verse. Everyone's like, I need a verse. Here's a verse. <laughs> and you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy or the holy of holies. So now we flash forward to Jesus, Matthew 27. This is the scene where Jesus has been crucified. He's on the cross. And as he dies, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Uh, This is no like just byproduct of some natural phenomenon that was going on. It's not like, oh, there was an earthquake and the temple kind of broke. No, no, it's, it's symbolically demonstrating that the veil that separated man from God has been destroyed. It's been torn down. Here, here's, here's what I think we have to embrace about Jesus. Because I've always thought about this, as like, oh man, Jesus got rid of the veil. Jesus didn't get rid of the veil. Jesus became the veil. G- Jesus became the door for us to access the presence of God. Remember, he's our perfect and ultimate sacrifice. And so by by committing my life to him, by pledging faith to him, by confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that he is Lord and he has been raised from the dead, I am now saved, which is more, much more than just like, oh, I was in a pit and now I'm picked up. It does mean that, but what it also means is I've been invited into life with him. I now get to walk with him. I now get to feel his presence with me wherever I go. It says in John John 1:14, talking about Jesus and the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He he tabernacled is that word. He made his dwelling with us. Paul writes it in 1 Corinthians. He says, and and now your body, he's talking about sexual sin. He's talking about don't dilute your body. Don't, Don't defile your body with sexual sin. You are a temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. Again, like I think we hear this and we have such a separation in our culture from what this would have meant to the Jewish people of that day. To go, wait, hold on. Like, only that one guy can go into that room. You're, you're telling me that the presence of God that was now only available through all this slaughtering of animals, all this spilled blood, all this burning, all these incense, that's now just available to me because of what Jesus did? And, and we, we treat it flippantly, honestly. Like, if, if, you, if you could take an Israelite out of that day and plop them here in 2020, and we can sit here and read this same passage together and say, I have that access into the Holy of Holies anytime I want to. It would be this question of, and why don't you spend every moment there? But it's, but it's easy for us. It's cheap for us. We don't, we don't understand the gravity and the weight of what it would have cost to get to that room in the first place. But now Jesus has become the door. He says, John ten nine. it's one of the seven I am statements that Jesus makes. I am the door. If you would just put your faith in me, I will become this gateway that you can come in and out of my presence freely anytime you want to. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The presence of God, it is what you need at the deepest level of who you are. Uh, I've always kind of like wrestled around this kind of like, how do you define the presence of God? Because, especially just hanging around Kaden all the time, uh, Kaden, by the way, not KD. I know that I don't enunciate very well. And people are like, you talking about your wife or your work wife? What are you talking about here? You're like, that's a joke. It's a bad joke. Um, Kaden is always like, man, let's just, let's chase the presence. Like, let's let's get lost in the presence of God. And And I like Maybe I'm just not as charismatic as him, if I can just be honest, right? Uh, maybe I just don't have the same kind of like spiritual grid that he has uh, growing up in a charismatic church. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't really come to know Jesus until I was like 17, 18 years old. <laughs> but, but I'm like, get lost in the presence. What do you mean by that? Anyone else ever feel that way when we're talking about the presence of God? We're like, okay, like the Shekinah glory's in the room. And you're like, okay, I'm ready. Where is it, you know? Here's what I'll say. Here's here's my best shot at defining the presence of God. That right now in this moment in history, the presence of God is the convergence point between knowing what is true about God and the experience of that truth. And I had to put the right now in there because this won't always be the case. Keep in mind, the greatest gift of heaven is the presence of God. And so we, there won't be any convergence of the life that I kind of understand to know about the Bible and the life that I actually experience in this truth. It's one and the same in heaven. So, but for now, in this in-between, in the already not yet that we live in, where Jesus has already made a way, but I'm not yet there fully. Right now, I live in this point where I need the presence of God to integrate what I know in my head to be true about God. So is what you know in your head to be true about God? Is that important? Absolutely. Absolutely. God has revealed himself and faith is going to cause uh, us to explore what God has already revealed. And so we need to deeply understand, pursue, and to long for, and to crave theology. If I can even use a bad word, right? Oh, theology, it just sounds so dry and dull and bold. No. Theology is the study about who God is. It should be something that we're passionate about. But listen, you can learn a lot about who God is. And, and, and if you fail to have this experience with him, here's what I'm talking about. Um, the Bible says that you are a chosen, adopted, loved son and daughter of the Most High King. The Bible says that. I, I hope I'm not surprising you with that information today. Otherwise, we've been, we've been missing it the last, you know, little while as a church. You are a beloved, chosen son and daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He looked through time. He looked through space. He said, he saw you and he said, mine. But but listen to me, you know that's true. But do do you operate in that experience all the time? Do you operate in that truth all the time? No, no. When you're choosing sin, you're choosing something that's outside of that identity. When you're, when you're, anxious, you are entertaining thoughts that are outside of that identity. Like, here, hear hear me, please. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. Do we, we know that's true, but do we operate in that truth all the time? No. I mean, we go on and on. Uh, I see the courage that the New Testament church had in Acts, in in early part of Acts. And I look at, and I just go, man, those guys, like, they just, they just did whatever. They were preaching, they were evangelizing, they were crying out for the miraculous to happen and they were getting beat up and thrown in jail and persecuted, but they just kept going. Man, they had this boldness and this courage. And I sit here and I go, I know that's available to me, but do I live in that truth? It's the presence of God that is the bridge between those two thoughts. What I, what I know to be true in my mind and what I experience to be true in my life. And so when we're talking about getting in a moment in the presence of God, We're talking about the integration of what you know to be true in your head and what you experience to be true in your soul. And now all of a sudden, being a a beloved child of God is not just a a theory. It's not just something in your mind. It's a reality that sinks into the deepest parts of who you are. We we thought cards Uh, oftentimes, anytime we kind of hear about something hard going on or someone having surgery or someone losing somebody, uh, the staff, we pass around cards and we fill out a little card and we mail it to them. And, and I almost always write, I'm am, I am praying that you would have a peace that surpasses understanding in this moment, right? And, and I think that's a phrase that we know. We know that's a Bible verse. We know that like, that's a true thing that we can, I can cry out and somehow God, even though I don't understand it fully, God can provide peace in the midst of circumstances that are awful, And he can provide peace and he can provide hope. He can provide love and he can provide joy even in the middle of terrible circumstances. And and listen to me, I know that's true, but it's the moments in the presence of God where that just isn't something that I know to be true, but it's actually peace. It's actually hope. It's actually joy because I step into alignment with what's happening in heaven. What else, like this is what Jesus is saying when he's teaching us the Lord's prayer. Our father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make what is real and true there. Make what is actually happening there. Make that the reality of what I'm experiencing right now. That's the presence of God. That's the presence of God. When we're talking about being in the presence of God, we're talking about laying ourselves down, going like, okay, God, in heaven, you are on your throne. You are ruling and reigning perfectly. So right now I'm just humbly stepping in. and I'm saying, you are Lord of my life. Okay. And this person is hurting. Okay then I'm going to pray that they wouldn't be in pain anymore because we just read in Revelation chapter 21 that there will be no hurt. There will be no pain. There will be no sadness. And the presence of God is that moment when you step in and even though you just got the terrible news, even though you just had that awful thing happen to you, it's the presence of God that actually gives you peace. It's the presence of God that actually gives you hope. It's the presence of God that actually gives you joy. And listen, back to Hebrews the invitation, if we read this now, the invitation is let us draw near. I lost my bookmark. Can we just put it back up on the screen? Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers, the therefore, what's it there for? Because Jesus has made a way. The curtain has been torn. He has become this gate, this doorway in. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place, how? Only by the blood of Jesus. Can you just listen to me for a second? There's nothing you did to earn it. There's nothing you did to deserve it. There's no merits that you put to your account that got you into that. Doesn't matter how many Bible studies you've been to. doesn't matter how, what home you grew up into. And and also hear this, there's nothing, there's no one that's too far away from that grace. Like, it doesn't, I don't know what mistakes you've made. I don't know what kind of darkness you've lived in. Every person, whether you walked in here a billionaire or whether you walked in here with 10 cents to your name, we're given the same access. The sinner and the self-righteous and all of us are given the same invitation. Why? By the blood of Jesus alone. That blood covers us by the new and living way. That word way, it's the same word way when, when Jesus hits his other I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. The new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, the breaking of his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, who sprinkled you clean? Who washed you clean? It was Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus has washed you clean. Because now that separation, that division, that it required you to be perfect to get in there. And you know full well, you are not perfect. Amen, somebody. And God has sprinkled you clean. The, The righteousness of Jesus. This is what we talk about when we talk about imputed righteousness. The righteousness that was on Jesus now lives on you. If you confess and you believe and you follow him, and we have this invitation Let us draw near in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. And so again, here's my question. Do you want to step in? Like, can't our attitude as a church be, listen, whatever else happens, I just want to be in the presence of God. I just, I've just been, i I've been in this place recently and it was like, I was telling Katie about this just a, a couple of weeks ago where it's summertime, which is great because there's so much freedom in our schedule, uh, but the kids are at our house all the time. Anyone else know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you, teachers, by the way. And, and, and I, love, I love having my kids around. I love the opportunity. I understand that it is my, it is my privilege and my honor to get to disciple my kids. I, I get all of that for sure. However... I've been missing some of this time. And I told Kitty, I was just like, I used to have these pockets. I had these spaces. You were at work. The kids were gone. It was just Haven, but she didn't care if I was in the other room, just praying and singing and acting like a fool. The older kids, man, they, they still see me doing that, but they look at me a little funny, which is great. Like I would, I would rather have them catch more than what I'm teaching them. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm good with all that, but I'm just, I was like, man, I need some, I need some alone space. Sometimes I sneak into here at the church when I know nobody else is going to be here. And I just, I just sing and I just go, God, okay, what's going on in heaven right now that I can just align myself with? Okay, there's worship going on in heaven right now. You know that, right? Day and night, night and day, they're just crying out, holy, holy, holy. They're just worshiping him. So, okay, I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna worship and I'm gonna go and like, I need this pocket. You need these pockets of time in your life where you just say the presence of God is the only thing that matters. Okay, I'm, I'm getting hungry right now, but the presence of God is the only thing that, hunger, only thing that matters. I love, like John Piper says, if you have the choice between, between eating and reading your Bible, and those are the only two things that you can do that day, you should read your Bible. You should get lost in the presence of God. It is more important than food. It is more important than water. It is more important than anything else that you have on your calendar. The presence of God is over everything because it is that moment where the things that I learned to be true in this book and this, the experience of that truth actually unite in my heart. And so, yes, we're going to do these encounter nights, And we're going to do them every time there's a, every first Wednesday, every time there's a first Wednesday of the month. Hey, that's every month. No, we're going to do them the first Wednesday of the month. The first one's on September 1st. Here's my ask, is that as you come, don't come to watch. Please, you can come in weary. You can come in tired. You can come in beat up. You can come in full. I don't, I don't care, but just do not come to watch a worship team worship. Don't come just to watch somebody pray. Come to encounter the living God. Because if we, if we walk in here with this expectation, okay, God, I don't know exactly what you're going to do tonight, but I know you're going to do something. Then all of a sudden, it's not just a worship set. It's a time for us to, to take the melodies off of these screens, off of these instruments, and to let the truth that we're singing integrate into our souls. And we go, God, yes, you, you are. You are all of these things that we're singing. That, that is who you are. And I know it. I know it's true in me. I'm experiencing it right now. When, when we're going we're gonna to have time where we pray. About what? I don't, I don't know exactly. It might be different every time. Uh, man, maybe God would just be so kind that he's going to pour out some prophetic words and he's going to pour out some, some words of knowledge, some words of wisdom, and we're going to be able to minister one to another. We're going to be able to pray for each other. And we're gonna to get to say to some of our friends who we know are weary, who we know are tired, who we know are beat up. And we're gonna to get to just grab them and encourage them and love on them and pray for them and pray above all else that, yes, I know you need some help with your daughter right now. I know you need some help with school right now. I know you need some help with your job right now. But right now, I'm just begging you, God, that you would come down, that your presence would be made known in this place, in this person right now. That's what we're gonna do. And it's not gonna be a spectator sport. It's not. Church is not meant to be a spectator sport. But at these encounter nights, what I want you to, I, again, you might be beat up, you might be tired, you might think, I, I, I have like one degree of spiritual glory. Like, I love that Matthew read that verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because it just so fits in with my sermon. Did you have my notes, bro, before you started going? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, beholding his glory, letting all of the things that are glorious about God be true in my heart in a moment. As we just behold him, we're being transformed into into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You might walk in on encounter nights and you might have one degree of glory. You know, like, I don't even know what that means. You have step one of faith please hear me. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's all it takes is, is faith the size of a mustard seed. I'm not asking for the spiritually advanced only to come to encounter nights. It's for all of us. Anyone who's desperate for an encounter with the Lord, I'm just asking, won't you come? Won't you come? And don't just watch, but, in, but involve yourself. Get, get your mind right. Get your spirit right early before you come in and just say, God, what do you want to do tonight? How do you want to pour out? How do you want to minister? Are we going to pray for the city tonight? Are we going to pray for the people tonight? Are we just going to are we just going to pour out an offering at your feet tonight, Jesus? Whatever it is, that's what we want to do. But beyond just an encounter night, here's what I want you to know is that you have been given access to the holy of holies. You've been given access into the presence of God. Doesn't matter how spiritual you're feeling today. If you believe in Jesus, if you're following after him, you by yourself, you say it with me, me, can get in the presence of God. And so, yes, this once a month thing will be a great rhythm and a healthy rhythm of our, for our church. But above all else, I hope that we'd be people who encounter him in maybe even some more boring places. On our drive to work, drinking coffee in the morning, before we tuck our kids in at night. Would we just be a people who are here to encounter the living God? Amen? Amen. Let's stand and we're going to pray. If you, if you would just feel comfortable in this moment, I'm just asking that you would just put your hands out like this. Because right now, God, we just ask for an encounter. God, we ask for a touch with you. God, we be able to be people who say, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. God, right now, would your mercy just flood over people today? Would your grace just pour on top of people today? God, would your adoptive identity just rest in people's hearts and in their minds today? God, I just ask that we would have, even right now, an encounter with you. And if there's people in here who have never had that moment with you before, Jesus, would you just be so good to just start drawing their heart in? Speak to them, Lord. I just, if everyone around the room, if we just could kind of picture Sing Jesus on his throne. God, would you, won't you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you give hope to the hopeless? Would you give joy to the broken? God, we just ask that you would pour out your spirit on this church. God, we'd be people who are marked by uh, a relationship, an encounter with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <music>